everyone and welcome to Chill Pill. My name is Emma Ives and I'm the creator slash host of this fabulous podcast. I created this podcast since I love all things medicine. I love reading about it. I love talking about it. And because of coronavirus, my family's getting kind of sick and tired of hearing about it. I'm not a medical professional, so please seek out your primary care physician for advice. I will never give advice on the medical stuff. I'll link all my sources in the description as well as mentioned throughout the podcast. It is day 19 of quarantine for me. I'm coming to you from Chicago as I still cannot return to Columbus for school because of coronavirus. So I'm going to school online. So I decided to have a little fun while I am not doing my biochemistry homework. I'm so sorry, Professor Kogan. I'm going to take the time to apologize for this episode being a little bit shorter than usual. I'm going to school online and it's a very big adjustment. Now back to our regular scheduled programming. Has anyone ever had a cold or the flu and a family member told them some random supposed cure-all for their symptoms? My dad personally tells me to wrap a warm towel around my head because you know that's what they did in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Most of the time when I hear these old wives tales, I roll my eyes because seriously, eating chicken soup for like the 500th time can't possibly work. So I went out and found evidence that some of these home remedies, especially the old ones, really do work. So what is an old wives tale? It is a supposed truth which may or may not be a superstition. Some people have argued that they are comparable to folklore. They are traditionally passed down from older women of a group to the younger women of the group. This advice was either home remedies meant to help future generations treat certain ailments, or as stories meant to discourage children from doing bad things. I will be focusing on the medicinal side. These are just some of the things I have heard repeatedly over the years, and I think they are appropriate now that we're all stuck at home. One of the main problems with home remedies is that there are very few studies about them. I did my best to pick some that have some sort of evidence to back them up, but not every home remedy or old wives sale is going to work, so look into it before doing anything rash. Literally every time I am sick, my mom yells at me to drink more water slash clear liquids. I'm not kidding, I'll prove it. Hey Maddie. What? What does mom tell us to do when we're sick? Drink water. Hey dad. Yes? What does mom tell us to do when we're sick? Uh, wrap a hot towel around your head? No, she tells us to drink water. See, and according to some digging on the internet, it actually works. When you're sick with the flu or a cold or some sort of fever, your body gets dehydrated or you're taking in less fluids because you lose your appetite. However, there is no evidence to suggest that it helps you get better faster. Besides rehydrating yourself, it doesn't flush out the illness or anything special. This old wives' tale has actually had a negative effect. Doctors warn about the potential to overhydrate, which is something I never actually thought I would hear. This is called hyponatremia, and it occurs when too much fluid is taken in, diluting the sodium levels in the bloodstream. However, according to doctors, this is very rare and unlikely to ever occur. Some doctors recommend increasing fluid intake slightly when you're ill, but just don't overdo it. Theraflu recommends avoiding beverages that will dehydrate you, such as caffeinated beverages and alcohol. Sorry, that hot toddy might feel good, but besides making you slightly forget you're sick, it won't help you much. Instead, they recommend decaffeinated beverages and, shocker, Theraflu. Besides being told to take a hot shower and wrap a warm towel around my head, a time-honored Ives family illness cure-all is chicken soup. I'm sure every family, no matter where you come from, has some sort of soup recipe that one of their relatives, or yourself if you live alone, makes when you're sick. Or maybe your soup comes from a can, or the Panera next to your dorm, or from campus dining services. The one thing you want or are given whether you want it or not when you're sick is soup. And apparently, there is some evidence to back this up. According to Dr. Stephen Renard, chicken soup has anti-inflammatory properties that help prevent a cold's miserable side effects. When you have a cold, the virus causes inflammation in the upper respiratory tract. 
white blood cells migrate to that area, causing the traditional symptoms of a stuffy nose and cough. In Dr. Runnard's study, he tested the white blood cell responses in the presence of chicken soup, and he found that few white blood cells are congregating in that particular area. Theorizing, the soup blocked or slowed the amount of white blood cells congregating in the lungs. This is potentially how the soup relieves some symptoms. However, it is unclear what chemical compound is the active ingredient in chicken soup. Chicken soup has become an integral part of illness recuperation, so much so that in 1999, Abraham Ori and Jenny Tesfier proposed chicken soup to be classified as an essential drug as it meets the four criteria set out by the WHO. I don't know if they succeeded. I read the 2019 essential drug classification list, and it was not on there. But chicken soup is listed on drugs.com as part of the Natural Products Professional Database. If you ever want to read the most unappetizing way of describing chicken soup, I highly recommend taking a look. I am a part of the theater world, and everyone talks about drinking tea with honey to suppress potential cough. And no, I'm not an actor. I solve problems, I don't make them. And there seems to be some science behind this. A study done in 2013 with children showed that honey helped reduce coughing frequency and severity as well as help them sleep. This may potentially reduce the use of over-counter drugs. However, honey cannot be given to children under the age of one, which is a downside to these findings. Honey has other medicinal properties as well. It has an antimicrobial property, which has been known to aid in wound and burn healing. In most honeys, this antimicrobial property is due to the production of hydrogen peroxide. However, the hydrogen peroxide activity in Manuka honey is blocked, and it still has these antimicrobial properties. Due to the wide variety of sources honey can be made from, these antimicrobial properties vary amongst honey. This has apparently been around for thousands of years and has recently been rediscovered by scientists as well as recently discovered by myself. This home remedy sounds perfect with some decaf tea mentioned in the previous home remedy. Maybe those actors knew what they're talking about. So there's this saying, feed a cold, starve a fever. It's something I've never heard of, but apparently it is a thing. It is believed the origin of this phrase came from the late 1500s. During that time, people believed that not enough of the body's energy could fight the fever if it was also digesting food. So withholding food would bring down the body temperature, similar to withholding wood from a fire causes it to go out sooner. They also believed that colds were caused by a drop in body temperature, so eating warm foods could help raise your body temperature. This is also similar to the wood fire analogy. I don't know why I chose that analogy, but I thought it was pretty good. According to scientists, this is a little too general of a saying. In a study done in mice, it was found that eating was protective against viral infections, and withholding food was protective against bacterial infections. In 2002, a similar study was conducted in humans and believed that there was a relationship between food intake and recovery, but more studies are needed to confirm the results. Also, this does not apply to every pathogen. There are bacteria and viruses that both cause fevers. There's also another school of thought that believes this probably is not sound advice. Some doctors suggest that eating less during the early stages of an infection could be dangerous as your body needs energy to create a large number of immune cells. They recommend good nutritional intake for fevers as well as colds. So there really isn't a good clear answer on this one. There does seem to be some evidence, but as in most home remedies, there's not a lot of scientific tests run to see if they actually hold up. It does more than just scare vampires and seasoned dishes. Garlic has a wide variety of health benefits. It is one of the earliest documented examples of plants used in maintaining health. Many ancient cultures developing in isolation of each other came to similar conclusions about garlic. In Egypt, it was described in the Codex Evers to treat common malaise as well as other ailments. Hippocrates from Greece 
regarded as the father of medicine, also used garlic in many of his therapeutic practices. There are references to garlic in Chinese and Japanese medicine, as well as in India. The main active ingredient garden is alicin. This compound is unstable and converts to other sulfur-containing compounds, which are thought to give garlic its medicinal properties. It is thought to enhance the functioning of the immune system by stimulating certain cell types. Garlic can also reduce the risk of becoming sick in the first place as well as how severe your symptoms are. However, a review found that some of the studies conducted on garlic were of poor quality. Science is still conflicted about exactly what the medicinal and health properties of garlic are, such as how much you should consume on a daily basis to see effects, or if it matters how the garlic is prepared. If it is something many ancient societies believed had health benefit and came to this conclusion independently of each other, I think it is something that we should look into. Many of these home remedies have some scientific merit, but as is common with traditional and folk medicine, there are limited scientific inquiries into their efficacy. I think we often forget that many of our pharmaceutical ingredients came from plants. For instance, someone thought they should investigate why ingesting the ground-up bark of certain plants reduced pain, fever, and inflammation. That is how we got acetylsalicylic acid, also known as aspirin. If people knew if home remedies worked or not, they would not put their health or others' health at risk, and they would also have reliable information. And maybe all the grandmas out there wouldn't sound as crazy. so please consult your primary care physician if you were intrigued by anything you heard today. I do all my own research and my sources are linked in the description. So please give all those scientists your love. The intro music was done by Cooper Wood and the artwork was done by me. My name is Emma Ives and thanks for listening to Chill Pill. Chill Pill